let's i would love to watch any and all pokemon why would you just say that out loud <laughs> i'm documenting oh you want you want on the record and i will respond to your dm soon Ooh, kinky are you guys flirting yeah oh it's totally. the fucking audio file isn't it no, no I'm, I'm, his, I'm his i'm his dungeon master no it's <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the difference between the two of us in, in exactly <laughs> all right John, get us right into it roll us right into a baby baby ball of pop <laughs> baby bottle pop baby, baby bottle pop. pop baby bottle pop is fucking delicious you should buy one at the store <laughs> Welcome to Chats a Television Podcast Season 16, Couch Madness. 16 shows enter, one emerges as the show we will watch for the remainder of our season. Who will win? Who will lose? And who will die? My name is Majan, and they aren't the podcast. They're the thing that gets us to the podcast. It's Alan. Sheesh! One of my favorite lines of television of the past 20 years, and you've turned it into a pithy introduction that's so Joe McMillan of you, Magellan. God. I'm just sitting across the table from you, staring at you. Yeah. And I'm attracted? <laughs> yeah. Intimidated? It's all, part, it's all part of my process. And the intimidation tactics? Part. Part of it. <clears throat> Thanks, babe. Hey, how you been? I'm doing all right. I have so much to talk about today, and I want to get right into it. So I'm just, I'm, I'm buzzing. I said something... I said some really weird phrase last week that I want to comment on okay. where we were like about to pick or something. And I was like, I'm like, like busting on elbows or something. Like I said something like completely not. And you were like, yeah, you're busting on elbows. It wasn't that, but it was something like that where I was like, the greatest thing about not having an audience on your pod, like a live audience for your podcast is that people can't be no, like, can boo you. he's not cooking. What the fuck did he just say? <laughs> right. Right. I just get to say words and that's, you know, the beauty of your language. That's funny. But yeah, I'm doing all right. That's great. Should we give people the uh, weekly update on our fantasy basketball league? Just uh, tell them how things are going. Yeah, sure. Magellan this year wanted to be involved in a fantasy basketball league. That was one of his goals this year. Uh -huh. And I have been in one for a few months. So I made a brand new one with him, my roommate, and a couple of friends. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has begun. We're in. Are we towards the end of week one yet? Am We're I starting yet? week one. Oh, that's why right I didn't now. have sure. any points until now. Yeah. Okay. How are you doing so far? I'm currently winning my matchup. What? Uh, how, five versus one, so I have five like points. Yes. Is that what that is? That's Great. correct. I have the second most points in the. In I'm the tied with my matchup, uh, and the person my roommate is losing eight to one against the person who's oh they auto drafted. He's playing against an auto drafted person. Is that my roommate? Like watches basketball. Okay, that's that's not a computer. That's a person. They just auto drafted. Correct. That's exactly right. Oh, I'm eight eight versus zero right now. Actually, the. I wasn't totally up to date. There are games happening right now. Anyway. Okay, great. Is, I wish you best, the best of luck until we go against each other, in which case I don't wish you the best of luck. Is that next week? Um, no, it's in two weeks. We two go weeks. Two yeah. weeks. Okay, cool. Anyway, uh, you know, we could jaw about ball. John Morant? <laughs> well, uh, you know, he actually had an untimely end to the season um, yeah. after an 
a late start for various reasons. Um, anyway, John Morant stuff. Uh, we could draw about ball all night long, but we're here to talk about television shows. Two of them, in fact, that are on the bracket. This is the last matchup of round one. And following this matchup, we're going to move into the, uh, what would those be? Quarterfinals? No. Is that even a type of finals yet? I don't know. It's round two when there are now eight shows instead of 16. And that's what's going to come up soon. But first, tonight. I assume people listen at night. It's not the nighttime right now, but it wouldn't be dramatic it comes out if at I 9 said. on a Sunday. This morning, we are discussing our 11 seed Halt and Catch Fire, which uh, has the first episode I.O., written by showrunners Christopher Cantwell and Christopher C. Rogers, the Christophers, directed by Juan Jose Campanella. Campanella, I'm assuming is how you pronounce that. Maybe Campanella, I don't know. Uh, aired June 1st, 2014. We first discussed Halt and Catch Fire on Pilot Chats 40 back in August of 20, August 21st, 2021. Same episode. Ugh. We last discussed Halt and Catch Fire on Pilot Chats 40, which aired August 21st, 2021, the same episode where we discussed Six Feet Under. And the other show we're watching is our sixth seed, Death Note, first episode entitled Rebirth. But we'll get to all that later. And Alan, we're not going to do this alone, okay? We're not? Don't, don't huh. be scared. Oh, this week we're joined worry. by a friend who came on because they were bored. It's six. Hi. How's it going, y'all? Oh, we're great. How How are you doing? I'm I'm doing good. You know, I told I told Alan I was working on a bit for a while where I was going to use um I was going to do sort of the reverse of how you do the introductions. I was going to do one for each of you. Yeah. Uh with lines from the shows you'd watched. Yeah. Um but I only found one that was good and it was sufficiently creepy. Okay. Um mm-hmm. so I ended up not doing that, but instead I'm going to do lines from the like Interviews about catching fire characters for each of you. Are you ready? Okay. okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to warn you. People are kind of in interviews. People are are they think these people are broken, and so <laughs> he's a dinosaur aging out of the business. It's Magellan. Ooh. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they're an acutely damaged man underneath the slick suit's bravado and motivational speech. It's Alan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I got compared to Lee Pace. I got compared to Lee Pace. Oh no, actually that was Gordon. No, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who is the dinosaur? Gordon's not a dinosaur. Uh it's the, oh, no, the, it's, yeah, it's, the boss it's, guy. It's guy. Toby Huss's character. Yeah, oh, okay. the boss I man. Like that Bosworth. Guy. He's fun. Bosworth is the sec is the best side character on the show. Yeah. Um, well, hey, thanks for coming on, Six. Why did you join us for this pair of episodes? What was the rationale? So I run a a show, a weekly show called Oops All Anime, where we are doing sort of like an extended pilot chats, three episodes for every anime that's ever existed. Um, We're making good progress. I think we're almost there. Um, We're doing it for what, like eight years, seven years, something. Um, And with y'all dipping your, your toes in the world of anime with Death Note, I was like, well, I would love to come along and help. I hear they have people come on and 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 do some helping, and I think I'm I think I'm the one for the job. And then Alan was like, we're also doing halt and catch fire, and I was like, sure, whatever. <laughs> that simple. Sometimes it's that simple. Well, well, six. I love talking to you, as people know, as with our history on the Garnet Wager and the Quorum, the Creature Quorum, and other shows. 
And uh, I'm thrilled to have you here to talk about shows, regardless of whether or not you have familiarity with them. It's always a delight to be on chats. And in fact, I think um, Six is notorious for coming on to talk about shows that they're not mm-hmm. familiar with. <laughs> our peaks chats coverage um anyway well and, and also there was powerless where i showed up for oh yeah the second to last or last episode uh and then there was uh <laughs> there was amsterdam. uh new amsterdam where i showed up for the second to last episode and uh, yeah. watched the good, whole show good, good. oh i forgot about that i forgot <laughs> no i didn't i didn't Oh, I never watched the la- I never watched the very last episode. Oh yeah, you caught it. You it caught is still up. on my hard drive. Right. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's talk about Hulk Catch Fire first as our eleventh seeded show, our lower seeded show. I gave the credits before. Alan, let us know what happened in the pilot episode I.O. of Hulk well, and Catch Fire. Well, a few Fire. things happened, Michelle. In this episode, Joe McMillan, a fast-talking salesman and enigmatic visionary, comes up with the idea to reverse engineer his former employer, it's IBM. Uh, as PC into something better and cheaper. All he needs are the right people to help him accomplish this. And he's joined, of course, by Gordon, who is a nebbish, fresh-out-of-jail computer engineer and salesperson who has a wonderful wife, Donna, who's also working for a tech company. They have two daughters. And Mackenzie Davis is also hired on as the youth hacker, basically uh, poached from a college campus to help them build the PC project. Yay. And then everything goes bad at the end because IBM is here and they're going to investigate the whole thing. <gasps> Gasp. So ah, here's the thing, guys. I just listen. I do this every time. I just listened to us talk about this. I'm already sick of my own opinions on Halt and Catch Fire as pilot. <laughs> Tell me new thoughts. I want to start with six, the new, the fresh one. Yeah. I'm curious. What did you think of the pilot of Halt and Catch Fire? I, I find the premise really fun, right? There is a... Unfortunately, thanks thanks to the way media has has turned out in my life and the things I've seen, I have this weird affection for pseudo revisionist history shows, kind of like Newsroom, which is a bad show, um, and is a mean comparison to bring off off the bat. <laughs> but just this vibe of like, yeah, but if I'd been there when the when the you know PC revolution was happening, I would have handled it mm-hmm. right. Um, because of course, you know, spoilers here. Our, uh, our characters and our company, Cardiff Electric, this is all made up, right? None of this happened. Yes. Um, but listen, if Lee Pace was there, he would have fixed the personal computer. So uh, I find that premise like kind of silly and fun. And I find a lot of the tech stuff that happens in the show like engaging. And then when it falls into, like, the beats of Western prestige television, I find it insufferable. Wow. Well, it's mid-2010s prestige television, so it's it's of an era, for sure. Um, yeah. And it's AMC, so there's parts where I'm like, you don't have to be this mature. You can just, like, tell a fun story and let this be a little bit lighter. Like, I think it takes itself a little too seriously in parts, mm-hmm. but I'm just enamored with the aesthetic of the show, the computer, the analog computer technology, the the outfits, uh, the fact that it's 80s, but doesn't feel cloyingly 80s, like your Stranger Things or other you know stuff that takes place in the 80s. Um, I still really enjoy this pilot, even though, yeah, I agree. It's very much of its time. What about you, Megan? Um, yeah, I think when I was watching this, uh, now for a second time, I had very similar opinions to six where I still really like the setting. I like the, the choice of moment and like the shared objective that the characters have. I think it's hard for me to take it 
as seriously as the characters are, especially because as they're like talking about the computer could be so much more and they're dissecting the circuit board or whatever. I'm like literally watching the show while I'm sitting on the toilet and it's on my phone and it's like hard for me <laughs> to just be in that world where these people are like, come on, this could be the next. And it's like, no, this all is going to be kind of stupid eventually. Um, but it's still fun to watch people really care about a thing. Um, I think everything that I it kind of, that kind of turned me off of it or from it is uh, the show just having Mad Men disease. It just 100% is like, all right, we're going to try to do another one of these because the Lee Pace character is basically a Don Draper type. There are nuanced differences between where they are at the beginning of their story and what their objectives are and what their problems are and all that stuff. So they're not exactly the same, but it feels like the Joe McMillan character is meant to remind you of, of Don Draper, at least in some ways. Um, I don't love the, like, we're going to have sex in the back of the arcade thing. Cause we have to get this pilot on television or whatever. Um, it's sort of, it's starting to feel like to me, like, uh, every adult cartoon people talked about in the discord a bit recently, every adult cartoon, like cartoons aimed at an adult audience have to front load the sort of fuck piss shit jokes and every yeah. like grown up historical prestige drama thing in the first episode has to be like, don't worry, they're fucking, it's for big kids. All right, <laughs> on to the next scene. And like, that's annoying. Um, And I only have, I think I only have so much bandwidth right now to watch shows about unhealed men who like could just be going <laughs> to therapy. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting. Like the setting's interesting. It's like Texas tech guys. What's this guy all about? You know, so uh, that's my thoughts. Anyway, Alan, do you what do you think? Do you have the same thoughts that you had the first time? Or yeah, no, I was I, I said before, like I I was enamored by the look of it and the feel of it. Um, I agree. It's it's very. Um, when I say of its time, I mean all of what you're saying, like the magical men disease. But the thing is, I've <clears> been <throat> thinking a lot about that specific trope and the history of that trope in the 2010s lately because they just put out a new episode of a new season of Twin uh, True Detective. And the first season of True Detective, which was the same year, 2014, uh, really felt to many like the the end, the final conclusion, the, the final gasping breath of that trope, because it is so much about the fundamental evil of men like that. And I think Halting Catch Fire just happened to be caught in the middle of that trend. Uh, and as somebody who's watched the first two seasons of it, if I can give it a little bit of credit... The show knows now and will later make it abundantly clear that, like, Joe sucks and is making things right. actively worse, but right. with his misanthropy and will eventually be pushed further and further out of the show until he's barely a footnote in the story. Mm. Uh, this is a show about Gordon and Donna and uh, and Cameron um, and the work that they do building what will. I mean, they talk about it like if we can network these computers into some sort of internet, internet of some sort oh, hmm. yeah. so uh it ends up being more about that i do think that there's also criticism of like shows about doing the work but i do love shows about people doing the work i've said this before mm -hmm. uh -huh. like you know creating things even if 
yeah, watching this in a time where especially the internet right now feels so much worse than it did even 10 years ago when the show came out, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it, it is hard to get enthusiastic about building a computer when you're like, all this is going to get us, all this internet stuff is going to get us is like Twitter, you know, <laughs> and that's the worst place in the world. So I get it. It's a little bit of a letdown in that way, but I still think that I mean, it's, it's fun. You can't tell me this, ep- this episode's at least a little entertaining. I think it's great. I love we're running over an armadillo right at the beginning. Like themes. Right, Did that's you get it? Something. Okay. Visuals, themes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the script I think is pretty tight and funny where it needs to be. Um, all the characters are well rounded. I still enjoyed it. Um, and also was like, okay, this is a little 2014 for me, but yeah. Six, you're not a big fan of this type of show in general, right? You haven't, you weren't, what were you watching in 2014, I guess? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> that's the hard question. That's a great, I mean, what, what, what was on the air? I don't know. Um, 2014 shows, Wikipedia, help me out. Uh, it's brought up the Mrs. Carter show world tour. I don't think yep. I was watching that. That's like watching concert. the leftovers. I don't know if I was watching anything. Bojack Horseman? Uh, no. Okay. 2014 is a pretty um, good year for TV. Fargo started. A Power? Lot of... <laughs> I don't know what that is. What is that? <laughs> Power's the, like, it's basically like Sony's Heroes. They debuted it at E3. Oh, um, it was like only on PS3 it... or whatever for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So. PS4, I guess. Um, well, also here's something. Yeah. Here's a question for you. You're you're from Southern California, Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. Northern California, but you've moved across the country in your lifetime. Is Absolutely. there any is there any attachment to this setting? Have you ever you've, have you spent a significant amount of time in the South? Does this feel like tech like the South to you? So I spent some time in uh, in South Carolina. Right, mm-hmm. I grew up there from like ages like two to like nine or ten, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Texas very much has its own vibe. Um, it is, it's certainly part of the South, but even within the South, it's its very own, very strong subculture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do, however, think there is this, like, knee-jerk distrust of anyone from, like, you know, like, you know, East Coast elites and that sort of thing that, that props up here with, with uh, especially uh, Haas um, and, and his, his character here. Um, Huss, excuse me, not Haas. That's a different thing. <laughs> he, he might um, call you Haas, but <laughs> <laughs> um, character of Bosworth. Yeah. So I think that rings fairly true to me of this sort of like, like, well, we do things a little differently around here. Um, beyond that, most of my experience of of South Carolina was sort of defined by like intense gender roles and racism, and I didn't see that very much in this first episode, which I I would think is a good thing but doesn't make it feel like the South to me. And, sure. you know, if you if you assign me to make a show and you're like, make it look like the South, I would I literally respond, got it, make it shitty. Um, so <laughs> I'm not the person you want for that. Yeah, they, there's kind of, at least for now, like an invisibility or an erasure of race in this show. Um, so there's not much that yeah. we can comment on there other than like its complete absence. Um, and then I do think the way that this episode handles gender roles and gender dynamics is, is interesting. Um, cause they clearly make a concerted effort to 
frame a lot of those like home scenes from Donna's perspective or like make sure that she's in camera a lot um, to kind of highlight like the division of labor and the frustration that she's feeling about Gordon kind of floating through the house. And I really like that scene where she it's like, could you fix the kids toys, please? And she's not asking because she doesn't know two how to, feet away. Right. She's not asking because she doesn't know how to fix it herself, which she makes clear by then doing this sort of like, you know, the way an army soldier breaks down their rifle or whatever. She like gets the screwdrivers out and opens the thing up from the right. back. So it's a, I think they do a good job of kind of telling you over and over again that she's just as brilliant as he is. And she's like, living this domestic life because she wants to, and she just wants him to be invested in it. Um, so I like the way that they kind of tell that story and then also give us the scene where she comes home and he's like done all the stuff and they're showing you that feeling when your husband does chores and it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> just so good. Um, I do think by the end of the episode, it really felt like he was about oh, to, we're going to say six. Sorry. It really felt like the, the the setup for that, given the context of where they are, where we are on the arc, really felt like he was doing the setup to like, so I'm probably fired. <laughs> right. Like he's trying to make something go yeah. smooth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I do think by the end of the episode, she's a little bit saying like, go for it. Live your man dreams and I give you permission to do it, uh, which felt. I don't know. I didn't love that, but I also can tell from what you're describing, Alan, that like that's not where that conversation ends. Like the show's gonna continue to yeah. explore their relationship with each other, her role in all of this. And um that I think is like something that distinguishes it from a madman, where in some ways Betty Draper is like a great character who's showing us the complexities and nuance of what it's like to be a housewife in the 60s where you're just expected to like live this domestic lifestyle and you can't leave that sphere but in other mm -hmm. ways mad men then kind of had to invent some weird plot stuff around betty draper to like create plot on her side of the story because it's a drama tv show and yeah. didn't mm -hmm. really ever integrate her with like the main drive or themes or with Don's story. So I like yeah. that it feels like Donna here. There's more of kind of a synergy between let's explore the Her separation of spheres. And also, yeah, <clears throat> she's tied into Gordon's plot and they're like truly partners in their relationship. Um, yeah, yeah. It's what, again, like going back to what I was just saying, this show lands in not a like racial equality, but the beginning of like understanding gender equality in television in the way that we understand it today, not to say it began with this show, obviously, but like women totally get a chance to do things and be cool in this show. hundred percent over time. They do more cool things than the men do people of color. Uh, don't, which is a problem when your show takes place in the South and eighties. Um, and also just takes place in the world ever, <laughs> you know, people of color are responsible for a lot of incredible things in the world of computing. The show does eventually introduce more of them, I, but to my memory, most of them are like grunt characters, people who work, you know, like the interns, the people who work are are where we get our different like lovable characters. But uh, it's a weird, it's a weird show. 
because it takes so long to build to that and so like so little of what i like about the show is even in season one to the point mm-hmm. where it's like you know i think the leftovers become is a good show in season one a great show in season two and an amazing perfect show in season three i still recommend people watch that first season i genuinely don't remember what's good about the first season of this show like i just beyond what you've already seen here in this pilot maybe mm-hmm. i'm wrong i'd like to be proven wrong. I, I mean besides like vibes which continue to be good and like history of like computer science that's all good stuff uh-huh. i um, do i do get some enjoyment out of watching joe mcmillan mastermind like do this tightrope walk of like pissing every single person off and making it impossible for them to make any other choice except do what he wants them to do like yeah. that's kind of an interesting thing to experience and i think lee pace is a very magnetic performer so i can enjoy him playing a reprehensible jerk um so i could see myself enjoying that for the time it takes to like get through a first season to the point where the show is like doing other things besides having that kind of character in the in the driver i think it's interesting the way like joe mcmillan as a character and lee pace's performance of him like I feel like swings kind of wildly back and forth Mm -hmm. in this episode to me, because I think there are parts where you're right. There is like a, like a scheming and charismatic, like not quite malice, but I mean, there's that point where like the, the founder of the company after Joe McMillan explains the situation, uh, like spins around and snaps on snaps on him. And he's like, listen, this is what's happening and I can deal with it. Do not pretend you're doing me a favor. Right. I will not I will not tolerate right. that. Yeah. Um and there is a level of Macmillan's like scheming that is like if you turned it turned it up a couple of notches he would fit on Death Note, right? Like it's, I it's 100% felt the same thing. When I was fun. watching Death Note after I was like, "Wait a minute, this is the same show." <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's it's fun, right? Um but I think the problem for me is there are points where the fact that it's not Death Note, and I'm, I'm not trying to make this show Death Note, but the fact that it is not mm-hmm. this ridiculous outlandish thing all over makes some of the, the, the Joe McMillan stuff not hit for me. Like when he's giving this speech to try and, you know, sell the computers, he's trying to he's trying to sell some mm-hmm. clients and he starts out by being like, yeah, I'm from IBM. We used to be the best. And then we started, you know, like just falling into corporate, you know, stagnation. Mm-hmm. And that really hits. And then it pivots into just like, but buying my com- buying computers for me is about being brave. It's about being a man. It's like, <laughs> this is nothing, bro. <laughs> um, or like this scene where he's in his apartment, just like he he has a baseball bat trophy and he rips the bat off the trophy and starts hitting baseballs into yeah, his that wall and his window. It's just like. Pretty sure this that's not ridiculous. the first time he does literally that. I think he does the baseball bat thing more than once. Men! <laughs> and and it, it's just like, what, beyond the fact that you're like, like <laughs> bouncing off the walls of the tone of this show mm-hmm. in a rather physical metaphor, what am I supposed to take from this? Yeah, I, I think a big thing that the pilot of Halt and Catch Fire wants you to be asking at the end is the thing that Gordon asks when all the IBM lawyers are coming in and he turns to Joe and he's like, well, what do you want out of this? Or like, what's your goal here? And they kind of want us to be wondering that so that we can watch the next episode, see what comes next. And so like you're saying, Six, they're giving us 
a little bit of a it's a lot of misdirection and confusion around well to what extent did joe plan this whole thing out before he even got to cardiff versus how much of this is him improvising um because like it paints him in a very different way if every single solitary step that he's made throughout the whole episode is premeditated because then he's just like a sociopath or if it's like he knows that Gordon works here and he's kind of just going to figure it out. Then it's like, okay, well he's kind of an egomaniac, but he's like, I don't know. He's not quite as cold and calculated as he, as he could be. And they don't really want us to know by the end of this first episode. So if you respond to that character by being like, well, I actually don't care which one he is because I'm not that invested in that ambiguity, then I think the very ending of the episode falls flat. Um, so that's just sort of like a, a grain of salt thing on this pilot, I think, that I think probably worked for me more the first time that I watched it and not as much the second and time. I think like part of... Uh, part of what works for me is you said the phrase like cold and calculating, which is the classic description, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think the thing that is is like is kind of compelling is that he's warm and calculating, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like right. the vibe I get is this is a guy who at least a lot of this stuff he planned, he planned to create these problems and this stress in people's lives, but he does actually think he's ultimately doing them a favor. Or he's very good at making people feel that way about him like that's the other thing that i'm not sure about by the end of this episode is like does he really care about computers and like what's coming next for computers and that's like an earnest passion and he's gonna do whatever it takes to like be a part of making history or is he just like i just want to win like i just want to prove i think what gordon says is what are you trying to prove which is a pretty yeah. important question. And so it's like, are you just trying to prove that you can do it? And like, you don't actually give a shit about ideologically what you're talking about. Um, but the way he talks to like, after they've, they've done the disassembly and stuff. I mean, there's a little bit of, we did it right. Which is fair because he was a, very active in that process. True. Right. But for the most part, he's like, look, Gordon, you, you can do it. He feels like a, like a psychotic hyper enabler. Right. Where he like he likes going places and being like, I make the magic happen. I show people what they can be. Yeah, I think that's why I I love his relationship with Gordon. I said this in the pilot, but I really want to reiterate there is like a, you know, the show wants there to be a romance between him and Cameron. And it doesn't really work because of not only the age difference, but the fact that they just don't like each other and they're bad for each other, period. Um, The real romance is between Gordon and Joe, like sincerely not romantically but romantically not sexually but yes sexually you know what i mean um obviously they spend a weekend together in the in the garage and get embarrassed when the wife walks in like that's charged uh-huh. especially in the 80s um but i thought especially about the scene where he goes to the movie theater to to bump into quote unquote bump into Gordon Donna and the kids and be like hey just wanted to bump into you again and see like what you think about that thing and he, you know, comes in with the leather jacket and the sleeves rolled up and his little thing of popcorn. So he looks normal, but mm-hmm. also mysterious. Mm-hmm. And it's like everything you're doing is charged because I think that you find people like Gordon fascinating. Like mm-hmm. you guys are both y'all are both DMs. So like I think that Joe McMillan is a chaotic neutral type. 
he sees something as normal and wishes to change it and upend it. And he mm. sees that Gordon has the potential to make something big and has been squandered by his family life and by his job. And so he says, what if I just pulled you out of it? And like, doesn't really think about the consequence of that and how it damages Gordon's marriage and life, mm-hmm. but he's infinitely interested in this little, this little pet project that is, that is Gordon here. Yeah. And like, how can I, how can I make this guy squirm a little bit and make him change? And what is that going to do to him? Yeah, that all makes a lot I of like sense. I find yeah. all of that super, super duper likable, or not likable, but that's the stuff I come to this show for, and that's maybe what season one does best when the, when when Joe is still a main factor in the show. Is like, uh-huh. how does he specifically do things to Gordon? I I I, I never I, I couldn't stop thinking this time on this watch about how Gordon starts the episode coming out of jail. I believe. Uh-huh. Do we ever get mm-hmm. confirmation of what he did? He was drunk, yeah, like publicly intoxicated or something. Like okay, he's in the drunk tank. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So it's nothing like life threatening, but it is you know a arrestable offense. I mean, it can be life threatening, obviously. Um, so we know. That I mean, if it's problem. more than that, you would have to tell us because <laughs> right. we haven't seen the show. <laughs> Correct. Uh, to my knowledge, it's not. But like, we know that Gordon is not just depressed and bored. Like this is the Tick and Arthur from the Tick. If like right. they True. weren't superheroes. True. Yeah, they were just people with that relationship where, you know, the tick or Joe McGillan is like, hey, Arthur, you can do whatever you want. Why don't you go and try it? Go put on the costume. And Arthur, a.k.a. Gordon, is just like fascinated by it. he's even wearing glasses. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. It's right there. Give me the tick reboot with Scoop McNary and uh, Lee. Pitt. Yeah. And I think that dynamic is what bridges to me, bridges this show with Death Note is like that genre of story where the main character or the the most uh, relatable audience surrogate character, I guess, is like a disaffected person. Usually it's a man, a disaffected man who like doesn't like their lot in the world, doesn't like how the world is, and just wishes there was something they could do about it. And then there's this other character who like barrels into the story, who has all of this capacity to make change happen, but doesn't have the direction that like this main character who's been stuck in stasis has. And I think that dynamic is, is pretty compelling um, because you get to see a character who's like, you know, powerless or lacks a feeling of agency, but has all these strong opinions matched up with somebody who's like boundless potential to do shit. Um, but is Wait, is Joe McMillan Ryuk or is Joe McMillan? Joe McMillan L is Ryuk light? and Gordon is okay. light in this version of what I'm describing. <laughs> Got it. And, and but is, in a way, it's the funny. other way too. It's, yeah, that's it, anyway. This is all very funny because we're talking about, and I, I agree with all of this, but also there's this moment where I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like we're talking about this relationship between these two and, and how wild and eccentric Joe McMillan is. And we haven't touched on Mackenzie Davis's Cameron Howe. And I'm like, <laughs> gee, halt and catch fire. Your mom lets you have two manic pixie dream boats. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little She's not a character yet. It's a little unclear to me what what the long game is with Cameron. Um because mm-hmm. yeah, it does feel like she plays at the arcade and she's got a quarter on her finger and she's got a short haircut and knows everything about computers. And like she'll fuck a guy and then be like, what? We weren't in love. Like it just doesn't, there's no there there for me yet. Uh, so we'll see, I guess what she becomes as the show. She's just on. smart and has no, 
discipline, but she's really good at everything she does. Yeah. She ends up building the OS of this computer. So let's just Yeah. It's it's the part like when you said that the writing was was strong, it is the main thing that made me want to object is that I think pretty much everything with her was pretty rough. Yeah. Um, 100% agree. I yeah. do think I do think at the end her like clear discomfort at being in a corporate setting certainly works really well yeah. and is a good opportunity to yeah. maybe pivot the character from just being, you know, this like nerd wet dream character in a way that's really mm-hmm. yeah. unsatisfying mm-hmm. to me. But yeah, I like the fish out of water like I'm going to put on my professional clothes, but it's like kind of a tacky sweater that doesn't match the rest of her outfit and <laughs> because it's camo pants down. <laughs> yeah, like that that moment says a lot and is a version of Cameron that I'm much more interested in than the girl who's sitting in the back of the lecture hall like pff, all these guys in here don't know shit about the internet that doesn't exist yet. Um so I like what I like where this pilot ends cuz I I was sort of finding myself losing the thread a bit of like what i was enjoying between minute 24 and 40 or whatever Mm -hmm. and then those Mm -hmm. last four minutes where they finally put all of the chess pieces in place and it's like okay now we can start i that the show that felt good and i was like okay well i'd watch another episode of that um do we have any stray notes on how to catch fire before we talk about our our main event tonight (laughs) um don't think so i like uh this is an industry built off of people ripping off each other's boring ass ideas is uh one yes. i think that's the version of what cameron said mm-hmm. to joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, i love when the scene where you learn that joe doesn't currently work for ibm is when he's talking to um toby huss's character and you as the audience member you learn over the course of the scene that he's not like selling stuff to this cardic Cardiff guy he's interviewing for the job and trying to convince him to give him a job and you're like oh wait a minute you're kind of pathetic a little bit um I think that scene's really good and I love when um Toby Huss's character says look at you same suit different tie like you can't fool me man I know and then he says like you didn't even bring a resume (laughs) and Joe McMillan brings out his W two instead of his resume. <laughs> such a <laughs> such a funny uh, character move. I think Bosworth yeah. is an important character of the, to the show because he cuts through the BS so easily. Mm-hmm. Like as we learn more about him and his family and stuff, you're like, nothing Joe does works on him. It's it's completely like uh, immovable object, unstoppable force. Mm-hmm. Uh, with right, the two of them, and I, I love that relationship a lot. I also yeah. I thought it was it was given the premise of what they have hired Cameron to do the legal scene where legal is sort of like asking her questions sort of like to be like okay have you ever you know messed with an IBM computer and then just sort of like subtly you know <laughs> shaking the head like to cue you like this is where you say no Love that is first first of all it's a fun scene but also it's what her job is uh-huh. because she's going to be reporting to Gordon who knows how to make an IBM BIOS and she supposedly doesn't. And she's going to be like, and I thought right here I would just do so, you know, a few dip switches. And Gordon will be like shaking his head. And she's like, actually, I didn't think that. <laughs> I've never looked at a computer before. Uh, so that's kind of funny yeah, to me. That's mm-hmm. The parallel. All right. I think that's what we got. Let's move on. Uh, the second episode, the second show that we watched this week was Death Note and its first episode, Rebirth. 
October 21st, 2007. And John, can you tell me what happens in the first episode of Death Note? In this episode, brilliant but bored high school student Light Yagami discovers a Shinigami's notebook and plans to use it to create a better world. It's a very, a very <laughs> charming way to phrase it. <laughs> yeah, that was written by Light Yagami. Hold on, that was written by him. <laughs> Um, all right. So the jig is up. Six, you've seen all of Death Note before? No. I have Whoa. seen oh. almost all of Death Note. I stopped a little ways into the second season. Um yeah. for good choice. Well, I don't know if I agree at the time I would have agreed with you. Um rewatching, I'm not sure I do. You would have but... watched further or stopped? I would earlier? have I would have watched the whole thing. Oh. Um and I don't know. It feels like it feels like giving the game away to 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 explain that that stance now. Well, let's get there. Let's yes. get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to to be clear, I've seen all of Death Note. Alan has not seen any of it. Wait, really? I thought backwards. that was backwards. That's amazing. No, Alan has seen I've Death Note. Seen I've all. never until yesterday watched any Death Note, except the chip scene, obviously, because that's the best. <laughs> sure. You have, to, you have to take a chip and eat it. I mean, you know, that's just like Here's the thing about Death Note. I'm sorry. I know I'm yeah, the one what do you, who, has, what do you think? who hasn't seen it yet. I, I want to hear your first Death impression. Note to me was always the show that, like, emo kids really liked and anime nerds really liked. And it was so impenetrable and seemed dumb and I didn't get it. And it was like, oh, it's so, like, goth. And I was right, but that's a compliment to its aesthetic <laughs> and its, like, narrative ideals. It is not trying uh-huh. to be a show that is, like, super duper smart or maybe it is but it's not hitting like that it is i would say borderline campy in the portrayal of light and his desire to be you know a hero uh-huh. of justice through his ability to sit in his room and write names on a notebook and make people have heart attacks um mm-hmm. i think ryuk is hilarious i'm so disappointed though that this episode didn't give us what people watch death note for which is the light and l dynamic i know about that obviously um sure, that's like right. literally the next episode but it's just so fun it's so good there's no build-up to like this kid's a sicko like i, I read up and watched a lot of like young adult <laughs> stuff as a kid and it's always like you know they try the thing and then it works once and they're like oh no what have i done i'm so bad i need to like figure this out and they show it to their friends and it's like no 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 he tries it once, it works, and he goes sick. And then he proceeds to put, like, 600 names in it. And he's like, this is working. Uh-huh. I'm doing this. And you're like, are you the villain of your own show? This is great. We've never, I have never watched a show that seems like it was written for teenagers where the main character is explicitly just the villain. And I love it. I love mm-hmm. how deliciously shitty mm-hmm. he is. And, like, unapologetically so. Yeah, I think the pilot... It has like really genius pacing choices because it does what you're saying, Alan. It does the thing of like, okay, here's the supernatural concept, the special power that this kid has. He tries it out. 
oh my god it works and then we go and we check in on ryuk and he comes down to human world and we come back to light and we think okay now we're gonna see the scene where like he's thinking oh should i write a second name but they're like no 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 no. he's been cooking like he's he's totally cool with this and then they flash back to when he was agonizing over am i doing the right thing or the wrong thing uh because it's like we know we're gonna get to him writing a bunch of names in the death note we're not gonna waste your time here we're gonna give you the justification that he has settled on. But what I like about it is instead of us actually seeing him going through the philosophical thought process, we get his version of the story. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like you're both told nah, light seems kind of bad and villainous. And also the show's telling you, and you're going to get his version of events. So you're going to have to make of that what you will as you go through this and, and follow his perspective. Um, so I like the way that the pilot represents that. And the, the stuff that I like about Death Note that the pilot starts to get into a little bit is the Death Note itself operates by very specific yeah, you love rules. rules. And, and what's really fun about this show is not just that it's a cat and mouse game between Light and L. Oh my God, am I going to get caught you know writing all these names on the death note but it's also a show about like can i work within the letter of the law of the death note itself and are those rules going to like make me operate in a certain way or because already in this first episode he's like well i have to make sure that i'm really careful about cause of death and that i'm like spacing these things out when i write them but also I'm going to do this in a way where I'm explicitly showing people under certain circumstances that this is a supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think is, for me, what I really like about Death Note overall. Is one thing I really enjoy is you get this this picture like of, of Light as a character. Um, a character that, I, I must admit, I thought... I, I am embarrassed, perhaps, to admit that when I first watched Death Note a long time ago, I was I was more like, you know... Light, you're making bad choices, but I think your heart's in the right. No, it what? What six? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Don't give yeah. people this much credit. Um, but you get this line at the at the end of the episode where he's talking to Ryuk and explaining what he's what he's doing and what he's planning to do, and he's like, "I'm just gonna anyone who's bad, I'm just gonna kill them, and then I'll make a perfect world full of nice people." And he basically puts it that way. Yeah. And Ryuk is like, "Oh, that's that's really noble of you. I guess all that would be the only shitty person that would be left would be you." And you get this this <laughs> line from Light that, like, at least for the moment, forecloses in like any, as as you've mentioned, uh. uh Alan, I was like, who said it? God damn it. Um, <laughs> Alan, you were like, oh, you know, you'd expect all this conflict from Light about like what he's doing and, and whether it was right to do. And at least for the moment, it is very firmly closed on this line from Light where he says, Ruel, what are you talking about? I'm an honor student. I'm the best of humanity. <laughs> oh, that was the moment. Yeah, that was the moment. Like, this is a show about a villain. This is a show about somebody who's positive that they're doing the right thing. My favorite type of villain who's like, obviously, this is good. I get rid of the bad people and doesn't once for even a millisecond go, hold on. What does bad mean again? (laughs) Oh crap. It's really flexible. And I might be do, you know, making moral judgments that a literal teenager shouldn't be allowed to make. That is going to be problematic. Uh, The, the part where he's like, you know, 
uh, he has the, that flashback to his crisis, and he's like, God, who am I to judge? And he's like, oh, the best person. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all good. <laughs> uh, what's going on with the apples? Why are there apples in this one so much? That's just the biblical stuff, right? You've got a lot of, like, oh, the OP kind of gives away the game that this is going to very heavily feature, like, tr- uh, traditional Christian, like, angelic and, you know, like, Garden of Eden kind of imagery. Yeah. It's just, you know, you know fruit from knowledge. The forbidden fruit, you're not supposed to have this. Like, you're not supposed to have the death note kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Also, just Japan thinks apples rule, which yeah, I'm not saying fruit, they're bad. It's just like there's a disproportionate Japan, thing. Right? So giving somebody fruit, especially round, perfectly spherical around fruit, is, like, considered a... Like, act of huge kindness, I believe. But specifically, I mean, like, you know, again, from from having watched almost all of anime, as I say, we're almost there. Um, <laughs> apples come up so much as just like, oh, man, there's nothing better than an apple. Sure. I'm like, I like a good apple. I'm not trying to shit talk apples. It is just a little disproportionate. God, there's a right word. This is not a True Detective podcast, but there's a part in the new True Detective show where a dad who's, like, estranged from his son, the son comes home to steal evidence from his house and that he's like trying to distract his dad. He's like, "Yeah, I'm really hungry." And he's like, "You want to make you a snack?" And then the dad who like does not have his life together is like, "I don't have any snacks." Ten seconds go by. Hey, do you want an apple? <laughs> I have one <laughs> apple. It's I don't know if it's good. That's probably food, right? Uh, probably huh. food is the way I'd always describe apples. They're satisfying though. With a little peanut butter. Oh, baby, oh. love an apple. Yeah, I think it's also a good little symbol or stand-in for like when ryuk eats them and loves them and says oh what's the word for this juicy oh yeah <laughs> ryuk's um, a freak dog he's so freaky I love <laughs> he, he's a little freak yeah it's nice um but it's a it's kind of a comedic um parallel to what he's doing here and why he set this plot into motion which is just that it's more exciting and interesting to do this than to not do this like he just wants a little taste of something sweet and juicy um and i i really like that as his only motivation um like i guess he's an antagonist in the show or maybe a sidekick or he kind of like plays different roles at different times but um i like that the apples are there to help that characterization um and he's yeah, a great of, source of, of comedy movie. right of just sort of lightheartedness like the first bite he yeah. takes of the apple is of the stem and he's like mm. <laughs> <laughs> normal thing to do um <clears throat> i'm also fascinated by the way the show is directed you don't think about that very much with anime yeah but uh, this felt i wrote in my in my notes that this felt like an amv for a show that already existed in parts and i was like <laughs> no but that's this show like it cuts and frames people in the way that like an edit would do. It looks so unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Every time there's a moment of writing something in the Death Note, it's like I'm gonna take my pen out, and the camera's like, whoosh! Let me follow this pen like five feet through the air, and then it's like so dynamic and action packed, and lots of cuts and weird angles and things yeah, like that. that, it's a fun that sequence, which is representative of, of a lot of the stuff they do in the show, but that sequence yeah. of him writing a bunch of names, which is like shaky cam rack zooms inner, inner, like inner cut with like death <laughs> uh-huh. Dutch angles is like, you are wilding and I'm here for it. 
Yeah, they do that every episode all the time. Like, that is, that's not just a pilot thing. That's, yeah, that's I've seen parodies of like, what if you know, getting food from the the cafeteria was like Death Note, and it's like, shoo, 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 flip, 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 Dutch angle, Dutch angle, Dutch angle, slow down, slow uh-huh. down, and then he like picks up a burger and goes, I'm like, now I'm gonna eat this. Uh, yeah, which adds to what you're saying, Alan. Of like, I don't know that the show was made with the intention of being campy per se, but it is yeah. like that is a very campy thing, um, which makes for a fun viewing experience. Because like I was explaining the show to my girlfriend, and I was like, well, it's kind of an edgelord show. And she's like, edgelord? What's that? I was like, oh, uh. how how would I define <laughs> or explain that term? Um, but the nice thing is it is. And also, like you were saying, you can enjoy it from the perspective of, okay, this is this is all kind of dumb. Because the show wants... The show isn't bought into what Light's doing. It, it wants to make it look cool. And I think probably what the show's trying to do is say to the audience, look, I bet if you had the Death Note, you would, like think that you knew exactly what to do and you would make a bunch of choices but like maybe you'd be wrong what do you think about that um but in the process of opening up space for the main character to be making bad choices and look ridiculous it just looks ridiculous and you can enjoy it on that level which is nice personally it is one of the things that like makes me the angriest in media it's it's like an irrational pet peeve where you have works that are that think they're being very smart and are supposed to be about very smart people and they're clearly written by a very dumb person like a lot of like murder mysteries i'm thinking mostly of video game murder mysteries where the solution is that they time traveled to kill their clone or something and you're like that's really stupid actually you think that's smart and it sucks um that's a that's a fake one i didn't spoil anything for y'all um but the thing about uh, crash bandicoot <laughs> <laughs> the crystal uh, but death notes so over the top with it it's like i don't know right i think i believe the original writer of the of the manga like genuinely thinks this stuff is cool and and like like thought provoking the people who adapted mm-hmm. the anime i'm not sure um yeah that that reads but regardless the end result is that it is so like it presents so straight-faced dramatic serious with its material that it's if you can't smile along with it i don't know who you are (laughs) right Right. which is why i think it's so funny that people watch this when they were teens like presumably when you don't maybe fully get the campiness of it or maybe you do i just like people taking death note seriously concerns me this is not a show that invites you to take it too seriously i mean i can i can uh, just give me a second lead all right my past self is here you have any questions this is past past (laughs) six um (laughs) listen you need to understand that there are some really high level mind games going on here and i know the aesthetics feel ridiculous to you and that's understandable but they need to give you a comfortable divide because the material we're talking about is so serious and Mm -hmm. so impactful that if you didn't have this layer of metaphor you'd be freaked out man Magellan. Past six, I have, I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? Uh, oh my God, how do you know my name? What? Oh my God, my name is in the Death Note. Uh, no, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah, if you got the Death Note, what would you That's a great question. Um, well, obviously, I mean, President Bush is really wilding right now, and I think I got to take care of that, so. Uh, all right, you passed the vibe check. You're cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they, they really weren't, but, you know, they, they, ha- they were seeds. They'd get there. 
<laughs> I just feel like anything I would do to to use the Death Note would would like upend society so much that we'd have more problems than solutions if I did it. Maybe. Hmm. Hmm. Intriguing. I wonder if there's a show that could go into this. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm interested in watching the show for. Is like you like let's say like okay, actually, Alan, 29 years old. What do you? What would you use the Death Note for? Who would you kill? It's like well, I would start killing like people who you know like you know child soldiers, people who who manage child soldiers. Oh my god. Owners of private military companies. The I'm sorry, I forgot how old you were, and I was like, 29 years old, yeah, you're past self, I get it. Like, oh, yeah. no. Oh, <laughs> I'm a little baby. And yet I also feel so old all the time. Um, I'd get rid of a lot of the rich people in the world, I'd get rid of most billionaires, and it's like, wouldn't that, would that work, though? Would that fix the, I hope it would. Right. I think but what if was... you just kept writing, though? I mean, like, it's not a one-time thing. But right? that's, the, got that's, the that's the conflict of the show. Is like, well, then you fix it by keep writing and keep getting rid of the people mm -hmm. who replace the bad guys. And, like, that has to end eventually, especially when, when a fucking freaky barefoot goblin man, 17-year-old <laughs> or whatever, decides <laughs> to pursue you to the ends of the earth to find you, then, yeah, you're you're running on a time limit. Yeah, you've yeah. only got, I, like, I mean, 37 I... episodes or 12 Taco Bon. Those, those are volumes. Mm -hmm. It's to some extent like, you know, the show is not uh super interested in like a, gr a grounded discussion or thought about like what would you do with this power because they're hopping straight to the most extreme possible thing. Um, but I do think it's what's cool about it is it's an interesting study in like not necessarily absolute power corrupts absolutely because we're not seeing the whole corruption process it's just like boom okay i already have everything i want 500 names of petty criminals <laughs> it's more a study of uh when you have a hammer everything looks like a nail and what that thought process looks like um because light is wielding quite a lot of scary power but it's very narrow in what it is the only way that he can address and solve problems in the world is by killing yeah. people and so what does that like what six was getting at there okay you fix one problem by killing somebody but then somebody takes their place oh well i guess i have to kill them too oh now this other problem is created over here and it becomes easier for you to like use the power because you're building up this justification of, well, I used it before, or, well, I just have to solve this problem or whatever. Um, but in the process of doing that, everything gets filtered through. Well, the only way for me to exercise agency or see my goals fulfilled is to use the tool that I have. And like, what does that do to light? And what does that do to the world? I think it's a yeah. pretty interesting thing. You're saying the things they want to hear. Like, what if you're if if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Like, you can't just kill all the bad people and then the problems go away, because that's not how systemic problems work. You know, they are built into our society. And to restructure our mm -hmm. society, you have to get those people to reform to understand. Uh, yeah, there is like valid uses for violence, for sanctioned violence, you know, but or non-sanctioned violence. But I don't think killing the president fixes the problems with America, for example. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something I want to see the show tackle. What about yeah, the? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, just a quick thing, and I I do think um, you know, a hesitation or like a 
caveat that I have for the show is it's not so much interested in like what is justice as it is interested in the kind of like ethics side of is it justifiable to kill or like so it would be cool if it really understood and examined what you're describing of that kind of like structural stuff Mm -hmm. and i think a story that had a death note as the main device could do that but i think what this show is more interested in um which makes it more of like kind of an actiony protagonisty like character study um, but also limits its scope as a story. It's interested in, you know, what does it do to light or to light's kind of eternal self to pass judgment on people and kill them? And is that is that justifiable? Um, and like, how deep do you have to keep digging once you're already in a hole yeah. kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it's a funny moment to me in the pilot where Ryuk is like, oh, by the way, like any human who uses the Death Note doesn't go to heaven or hell. Uh, don't worry about it. I'm not going to tell you what happens. You'll figure that out when you die. <laughs> and you're like, oh, uh... shit. Okay. So we've, our eternal uh, existence is at stake. But also it's already forfeit. So, like, what are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. Um, Can yeah. I ask a question to both of you about where this show goes a little bit? Is that no. valid? <laughs> yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what's the deal? What's um, what's L's deal? Is he likable? Do we like him? Do we want to be on his side? L is a very fun character. You'll have a good time with L. Okay. The reason I ask that is because it's kind of like, who do I want to see win? Because in usual stories like this, like in murder mysteries, for example, you're like, oh, I want justice to win. I want the the law enforcement to win. And if L is like just a weirdo, like he's not a good person necessarily, then I think that adds an even more interesting dynamic to the show of like, there isn't a good guy and a bad guy. They're both just like weirdly flawed, strange individuals. And I'm into that. That, that is the dynamic. Oh, yeah. yum! And I'm, I like, mean, yeah, L is trying to stop Light from doing his thing, which is kind of you know, I, I would say an objectively moral thing to do, yeah. fundamentally. Yeah. Right. Um, but the show pretty quickly pushes you out of that space. Like that, that part is always there, and it is not uninterested in that. But I like as Magellan has said, it becomes very much like, you know, like when you're in a hole, you know, how how deep do you have to keep digging where it is like they are so caught up in me versus you that the stakes of their fight, it feels like they almost forget at times. I dig it. I really dig that. Right. It becomes more of like a battle of wits and it's more like, well, who's going to win? And that's that's in and of itself kind of thrilling and interesting. Um, and sometimes L is like in it for the right reasons. And sometimes it's like, Oh fuck, I got to catch this guy. Yeah. Wow. He's, he's brilliant, but I'm more brilliant. Oh. Like, Here's what I'm going to do. It's that kind of thing. I'm into that. And I know some of the stuff you've seen, like I know some of the parody videos you've seen mm-hmm. and it's like the, the thing that makes them effective is how not even that much parody they are. Right. <laughs> Where it's like, like, oh man, if I order, a, but we want he wants Taco Bell. But if I order a cheesy Greta Crunch, he'll know I'm Kira. If he doesn't order a cheesy Greta Crunch, he's definitely Kira. <laughs> yeah, like that is Kira. just how it's it goes in the show. Type stuff yeah. uh, over situations where I think they do an effective job of making you understand why the characters are like this is what this means. But looking at on his face, you're like, 
Bro, that doesn't mean anything. Y'all are wilding right now. Yeah, you always went so far yeah. down the hole that none, neither of you are acting normal anymore. Like, that's why the I'll take this potato chip and eat it scene is actually effective. I watched the Big Joel video on it, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's such a simple, <laughs> dumb concept, but like, it, it, it does represent two brains attempting to like 3D chess a very uh -huh. simple action. I think it's delicious to me. Also, there's a girl people really like. Um, I don't know what her deal is, what side she... I think she likes L. These are the things I know about Death Note. She has a, Does she get a demon girl yeah. also? I don't know. Uh, don't even... There is a character who people like, and there's some cool stuff about her, and I think the show wildly misuses and mistreats oh. her. Oh, yeah, 2007. 100%. 100%. Oh, the fandom does yeah. better by the characters than the show does. Yeah, to be clear, like, <laughs> Death Note gets bad, by the way. <laughs> like, it gets dumb and bad. Well, here's my question, it's, then. It's very cool and engaging and yeah. interesting, and it's, by the end of it, you're like, thank God this show's <laughs> over, because I'm, I'm done. In only two seasons? I'm already like, uh, yeah, thank God I this wish, is over. I wish I could spoil everything for you to explain is that Is it to you, bad I, boring, I though? That's my question kind of i think it's i think it's less like it is it is like straight up less good right yeah. and and like yeah. less enjoyable but uh, this is part of like back in the day i was like this should have ended after after season one like that should have been the end of the show what are you guys doing and like mm -hmm. i think maybe that would have been better but i think there is some merit in season two as like this the nature of the struggle changes in a way that I think has some merit of its own. I don't think it's mm -hmm. as good, but I think it's like, okay, and, and these are the people that are engaged in this problem now, and this is the positions people are working from, and this is how much like the world has changed because of events. And I okay. think that has real merit. Um, and when I yeah. first when I first True. watched it, I was too caught up in like, oh, you, you moved on from the thing I liked. I'm done. And I was like, no, mm -hmm. I should have given what they are doing more of a chance. Not that I would have ultimately been like, this is incredible, but there's right. stuff here. Um, stray yeah. additional notes on Death Note before we ask. Uh, there's a DS Lite in the school. There is? I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, quick little DS Lite. <laughs> uh, Lite Yagami. DS Lite Yagami. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, there are some DS games featuring light yagami he's got there were some death note ds games um what is the game which <laughs> the, i'm game? so i'm so curious i'm so well, you curious use the bottom screen to write names of the death note I mean, probably that would I, that'd be great yeah. for the ds i think that's basic i think it is basically like puzzle visual <laughs> novels where you're trying to like kill people and get away with it i think that's what, what? they are i don't know though that actually uh, sounds fire I, right i don't know i don't think they're translated but um the uh, so and the interesting thing about the look of the show, we've talked about the ridiculous angles and, and you know, the zooming and the shaky cam, um, but not in like a, you know, not not Jason Bourne shaky cam, right? Sure. Um, you also get, there's a lot of, like, the show has often a very muted color palette with only a few things popping. There's a lot of yellow and brown. There's a lot of rust everywhere. And it is just sort of an interesting, like, illustration of Light's perspective on the world. It's like, oh, this is a world that is decaying and is crumbling, and it needs it needs a, a gardener, mm. right? Um, and I, I just think it's an interesting it's an interesting choice to expressly be like, no, the show and the color palette of the show agrees with Light. Interesting. Okay. Uh, the uh, Death Note game looks bananas. It, <laughs> Phoenix Wright. It's, 
That's what, yeah, that's what I thought. It's more Excellent. complicated than, like, you're putting, like, trust and doubt balloons on different characters, judging whether or not they're the criminal. What's going on? I can't look at this too long. Somebody in a parody Let's Play called it Knock Off Among Us. That sounds that? great. That's... Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, if, yeah. if Among Us had, sure. had like, had doubt and trust balloons, maybe we'd be getting somewhere Hell yes. as a society. How about the Ryuk anime? Just about him. Don't need anybody else. He's got those Shinigami eyes. He does. Those are a thing. It's also a name of a grime song. Unfortunate. (laughs) Anyways. uh, You know what? I'm I'm certain it is a reference to this. Yeah, it is. God damn it. (laughs) She's like, our age. It's okay. It's not okay. It's unfortunate. Six, uh, give us your pick. Um, I mean. Ask your lot. I think the thing is. Death Note is going to be a a fun journey. I think there will be ridiculous and interesting things to talk about each episode, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's an interesting arc to the show. I think you will have the collective moment of why didn't you end at season one? And then you move on to season two and see some other interesting things and watch it struggle Mm -hmm. to find a new identity. Mm -hmm. And then also, as far as chat stability, there's some really fascinating, like, other material, right? There is a uh, one-shot where uh the death note goes on auction and the world leaders are trying to buy the death note Ooh. right like, is that the donald liter- trump one uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yep. yes i got to uh, read that there, i got to read that there are some live action movies and stuff including oh, yeah, like we're they watching have the netflix one for sure and well, there's the Netflix one. There are also the Japanese ones, which are genuinely very good and okay. offer an alternate ending to the sh- to the story that a uh, lot of people a lot of people like are like, oh, this is so much better than the anime. This oh, is how the show should have ended. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and then there's like a you know those ended up getting their own sequel where it's like things end and then like a whole new cast of characters has to deal with a Death Note in subsequent movies and a mini series. Oh, there's a lot of stuff for y'all to dig into. There's a lot of different creators involved a lot of different approaches and i just think you would you would show up every episode with stuff to talk about stuff to laugh about and have a good time halt and catch fire i did not like (laughs) (laughs) okay controversial but fair this is why we have guests on so they can give their feedback um well we'll take that into account definitely 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 um six Mm -hmm. uh you want to give your plugs and then give us a chat some please sure um so thanks thank you again for having me on the show um, of course, love to have you. As as far as my stuff, you can find me on social media, uh, Twitter or co-host at six detmar s i x d e t t m a r. That's just my name, and my DMs are open. If you ever want to send me anything, questions, comments, you know, whatever. Uh, my work is found at scanlinemedia.com or Patreon.com/slash/scanlinemedia. I do a lot of podcasts, including some with my good friend Alan here. Uh, we have The Garnet Wager, which is a ridiculous show that I've, I've heard Alan try to describe on here several times. It's very difficult, but we should have a new episode out soon, starring Magellan in a, in a role. Um, but before that, we will have a new episode of The Creature Quorum out, because we have a new Creature Quorum project starting where we are playing through uh, Pokemon Black and White one gym at a time, and just sort of talking about a revolutionary generation of Pokemon that is based on New York State. And that's weird and interesting. Best new podcast twenty twenty four. Hopefully, you know, good start, right? All the other ones that have started so far seem pretty shitty, so I like our odds. Um, I'm just, I'm just wow, wow, saying wow, things. Wow. Um, and then yeah, chat sums, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So I have I have two because y'all aren't happy with just one anymore, so I had to you know up to two, I guess. Okay. 
uh, one sort of inspired by your your discussion of uh, Xena Warrior Princess on a previous, you know, uh, Couch Madness. Uh, I'm going to recommend Common Writer Drive. Um, this was re- uh, recommended to me by a friend of Alan and I's Kyrie. Um, I like the Common Writer series in general. It is uh, tokusatsu, which basically means it is live action with people in costumes and practical effects, though they use some CG for stuff. But like, it is people in like it's like Power Rangers, right? It's people in plastic constu- costumes hitting each other. Yeah. Um, and at first, I did not click with Drive because traditionally it's like there are three sort of tiers of active tokusatsu there are super sentai which is what power rangers is based on mm-hmm. right and that tends to be for like kids uh there is common writer which tries to be a little edgier and is for like high schoolers and teenagers mm-hmm. and then there is ultraman which is supposed to be more for adults i don't have much ultraman experience i should get some um common writer drive felt like it was going more sentai it felt like it was being kind of like kitty and and you know like a little too simple for me um and then i got this scene where so our main character is a detective and he lost someone in a big accident that caused a bunch of monsters right and now he's fighting the monsters and he's working with this uh this other guy um and they're kind of they're they're standing they're kind of standoffish with each other but he learns this guy also lost someone in that big accident he's like you know what i feel like i had you wrong and he sort of crouches down they have a heart to heart and he crouches down because the other person is a hot wheel this okay. this little anima- animated hot wheel and he's like you know what hot wheel you're all right so that's Aww. my pitch for common rider drive is heart to hearts with you know like a little plastic car okay. it's uh ridiculous and dumb action and it's kind of fun where can i watch this that'd be great uh, I think Wh- you'd have fun. Where can I watch? Oh, this? where? I thought you said we're gonna. I was like, wow, that was easy. Um, <laughs> uh, illegally. Okay. <laughs> They're not really. There is no legal way to watch it on my hacked PS2. Yeah, it is. It is a old Japanese show that was never localized in any way. So you uh, have to have to do your own thing. Um. Okay. My second chatsum is a recommendation I've been doing everywhere, and clearly no one's listening to me, so I'm just going to do it again. Um, there is a PC game called Toho Mistia's Izakaya. Now, it is part of the Toho series. Forget about that. That doesn't actually matter. You don't need to know any Toho stuff. Basically, this is a cooking game that is interested in the concepts of an izakaya and omakase. So izakayas are restaurants usually bar restaurants that open at night in Japan for people who have gotten off of work, right? You're working late, you get off, you go to an izakaya and you have some good food and you get a little drunk and you relax, right? Yeah. So there's that where you are spending your daytime collecting ingredients and talking to people. And then at night you open your restaurant and stressed out people and demons show up and get some food, right? Yokai. Um, but the other part of it that is the part that makes it really good, I mean, I think it would be fine without this, but is omakase. Are, are either of you familiar with omakase? Uh, 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 I've heard the name no, many times before. I've been told. You'll hear it a lot in sushi restaurants. It is sort of like the, like, basically it's it's the, this is an oversimplification. It's basically saying, like, I trust the chef, right? You come in and you order the omakase. You give them, you know, like 60 bucks or whatever. And it's like, you don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get four courses of just stuff that the chef thinks you'll like, right? Yeah. whatever they're doing, and sometimes specialized per person. And so you get a lot of generic customers that's just, oh, here is a human. They would like a rice ball, and you give them their rice ball, mm-hmm. right? 
but there are a lot of characters that are characters from the Toho series and they come in and they're like, I don't know. I've been, I've been kind of stressed out today. I'd like something spicy. And you're like, okay, cook them something spicy. Uh, I'm going to make you, you could make them like, oh, I'm going to make you mabo tofu. That's a nice spicy dish. Or you could be like, you know, you say that, I think you also want something kind of refreshing. So I'm going to make you like a sorbet and put a chili in it. And they're like, oh, this is really interesting. Mm. And so the, like the customization to customer by like their preferences and also how they're feeling today. And you get to know them and get to know their preferences. That is really fun and really cool. People should play okay. that game. What is it called again? It's Toho Mistia's Izakaya. Um, it is pretty cheap. It's on Steam. It's coming out on Switch soon. It runs great on Steam Deck. Uh, play the game. Have a good time. $6. Yeah, it's, it's cheap, dog. Also, though, you have family sharing with me, so you should just try it. And then you should buy it afterwards because it's a small small indie company. Sure. Help them out. I was playing Overcooked this week, and I was like, you know what? I would love an anime version of this. Well, great. good news. Well, thank you, Six. Um we're going to release you, you like a kite me. into the wind now, and we're going to take our break. And then when we come back, we'll be in our, our private little zone, and John and I will make the final decision of who wins Halting Fire versus Death Note. And who dies, yes. Goodbye. Bye. Yeah, don't leave it up to Death Note, because that would happen very quick. Couch Madness. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines Halt and Couch Fire as an early computer command that sent the machine into a race condition, forcing all instructions to compete for superiority at once. Control of the computer could not be regained. But control of this podcast could be. I'm still Alan, and that's still Magellan. <laughs> hey, everybody. What's up? Hi. Welcome back. Technology? Books? <sighs> death? Computers? You decide. We actually decide. Yeah, we actually decide. Sorry, you actually have no say in this. So where are we right now? We're always in a different sort of chamber or space. Where are we today? Is that a smoky room, maybe? Yeah, this is a smoke-filled room. Yeah. Mm, what kind of furniture we got here? Um, Leather chair, leather couch, leather jackets. Yeah, um, just like Joe Mac. Yeah, Joe Mac. Leather, leather everywhere all the time. Okay, leather room. We're in the leather, leather smoky room. leather room. <laughs> yeah, feel the floor, leather. Yeah. Feel the feet of leather. Um, <laughs> weird. That was nothing, dog. Come on. <laughs> I like the image that conjures of like you're slowly turning into leather. <laughs> Feel the legs, the leather. Do a body scan, <laughs> top to bottom. That's leather, baby. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, all right. Should we do these gut checks? Yeah, check the gut. I've been doing a lot of planks lately, so maybe my gut is stronger. Boy, are they. Um, Two 30-second sets a day keeps the doctor away. Oof, yeah. You got to do it, man. Gut check, Magellan. Hog Catch Fire, Death Note. Um, Well, okay. Here's where I think this is a matchup where particularly I'm feeling like the tournament setup and style is like not vibing with how I would want to watch and think about these shows and deliberate on them. Cause like I could watch episode two of both of them because I think both of them, you know, the pilots 
set up what the show is going to be doing. They're not representative of what the show is necessarily. True, true. Um, and so, you know, there's another universe where we did a version of the season where it's not a tournament bracket. It's just like, well, we're going to watch a show until we feel like we've gotten a sense of of it or there's a version of a chat season where it's like we're just gonna watch shows until we get bored of them and then stop watching them um like allowing ourselves to just drop out when we feel like when we feel like serving us right exactly um which you know maybe that is something we'd be interested in doing one day i don't know but anyway so i'm kind of feeling bound by the fact that we have to make a decision um also because I've seen Death Note before, so seeing the second episode doesn't provide me with any additional information. Uh-huh. But, like, I have to make a choice about which one is going to be, I think, a better conversation or a better prospect for chats or whatever. So I think my gut check is I'm more personally curious in watching more Halt and Catch Fire. I want to mm-hmm. see more of the show and understand more of it. And I'm kind of feeling like if I don't advocate for it now, I don't really see a context where we would return to it on our show because there are just so many other shows that we feel more strongly about. Um, But like at the end of the of the day, I think Death Note is just probably going to be more interesting to watch and I think is going to yield more interesting discussion because it's so over the top wacky but it also has like meat and it's a new kind of show for us to watch so my gut says death note but it's a tough choice for me what about you oh you're giving me a lot to think about big man my gut also says death note for now but i'm so ready to be swayed because Mm -hmm. i personally want to watch more death note i'm trying Mm -hmm. not to let that color my decision too much because like yeah i think it would be fun to talk about i love the idea of us branching out to do an anime season um Mm -hmm. i think that would be more fun for our audience also like i'm just thinking about that those logistics but um maybe if i talk more as we go on about halt and catch fire and where i know it goes then maybe that'll help Mm -hmm. because i also do just want to watch a show that you watched already for once you know we always do the ones i watched Mm. and you deserve you deserve a show (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I don't know that I would spend that uh, on Death Note, but I appreciate that. There's just not um, that many shows to spend it on, though. Unless right, you want to make exactly. really, really are committed to making us do the the Psych podcast, right? Or watch like Undeclared or something uh. random like that. It's just not very good. It's okay. It's fun. Anyway, I'm not talking about Undeclared right now. You can't make me. Um, okay, so let's let's go through the steps here. Um, and maybe in the conversation, it'll help us to clarify and feel more strongly about the choice of Death Note. Um, does that sound good to you? That sounds great to me, actually. All right. So first, let's think about the moments that these pilots represent to us. The memes, schemes, screams, and themes. Memes, which had more moments of ironic or semi-ironic silliness. I think that's Death Note. I think we had a whole big conversation topic about how campy it is. Yeah, um, tonally, yeah. Yeah. Um, schemes, which had more moments of intrigue and plot movement. That's kind of a tough call, I think. I lean halt and catch fire. Just the pilot? Yeah. Definitely in the pilot alone. Yes, I would say that's right. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, screams, which had more moments of excitement and surprise. De- I think Death Note. Yeah. Especially for me. Yeah. 
And then themes, which had more moments addressing what the show is about. I think that's all in Catch Fire. I think it's pretty confident in what it's about. Yeah, I think so. All right. The Clunks, Hunks, Junks, and Punks. Uh, Clunks, which had characters that were dorkier in a fun way. Dorkier, uh, dorkier. My thought is Ryuk takes that win. Like, maybe, maybe uh, Boswell. Is that Bosworth. His name? Bosworth. Bosworth. I don't know. That's kind of a hard choice should i ask him to change it yeah i will oh sorry i thought you, I thought you were saying i thought you were, I thought you were saying no, sorry no, that's all that's a hard names. last name to say i'd prefer i'd prefer he not be called Foster. i was like what the fuck <laughs> what did i say to that <laughs> um dorkier dorkier huh hmm. i do think that's death note just ryuk purely yeah. takes that just saying juicy eating the apple is enough to win that category uh hunks is kind of a hard comparison when one is live action, one is animated. I don't know. I, I don't think, I think it's also on uh, on Death Note. Yeah, I think the hunk category is also meant to be sort of like a himbo category in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like not like who's hotter, but like who which show has like the hot character archetypes in a way that's amusing. I guess that's Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah, because, and it'll continue like, to have Pace. hot people come and go. Lee Pace is so hot. Lee Pace. I was going to ask you to text Amanda this. What does it mean about my mental health that when I see Lee Pace, I want to put on a dog collar and like <laughs> <laughs> bark like a fucking dog? What does that mean? It, Am I means, good? Like, it means everything's working in there. You, your mental <laughs> is 100%. The State fine. of the Union is okay. <laughs> uh junks which had characters that were more eccentric in a fun way oh that's death note baby yeah that's death note and then punks which had characters that were more rebellious in a fun way halt and catch fire okay okay yeah uh foundations the clues crews hues and shoes clues which has more plot to explore and unravel over time death note yeah yeah they build a, com they build a computer and then what spoilers alert there is a then what but you just don't know what it is yet Cruise, which has more ensemble dynamics to dig into. That's Halt and Catch Fire. Halt and Catch Fire. There's literally three characters in Death Note, and one of them is Light's mom. <laughs> Hughes, which has more thematic range. Mm. Mm. I'm almost like, what I, do you define as thematic range, right? I honestly feel like Death Note is the answer there because... Halt and Catch Fire feels a little narrow or like a little hemmed in by the trappings of like being a 2010s drama. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. Thematic range, thematic range. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Death Note, sure. Okay. And then The Shoes, which has more mileage from its base premise. Uh, Death Note by a nose hair because yeah, we just spent most of that conversation talking about like what the different. Next. Yeah, what comes next, exactly. Right. Uh, and then the other stuff, the fits, hits, its, and wits. Fits, uh, better use of costumes and props. Halt I think Halt and Catch Fire does a does a really good job storytelling and characterizing through costume. I think Joe McMillan's leather jacket makes me want to, as aforementioned, bark like a fucking dog. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hits, sorry, mom. better use of music. My mom doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I like the music in Death Note. It's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's give it to Death Note. It adds to the campy flavor. Uh, which makes better use of the cast and guests. Halt and Catch Fire. Halt and Catch Fire. 
And then which makes better use of the script and the writing? I think the Death Notes pilot, Death Notes pilot using that non-linear storytelling method is actually kind of not non-linear, but like the yeah, time jump. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a like pretty that. cool move for a pilot to do. Okay, so the score is one, two, three, four, five, six. Someone would be close. Eight, nine. It's nine to seven in favor of wow. Death Note. So it's pretty close. I think that mirrors our feelings about it. Um, uh, yeah, not that I'm telling you what I'm going to choose, but uh, my my like confidence hasn't really changed, but neither has my decision from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Should we just do our put it in the chat, or do you have more thoughts on this? My thing with Death Note is on one hand, I will just watch this show. It's on Netflix. It's short-ish, and people uh-huh. would like it if I just watched it. That way you don't have to cover it. But as uh-huh. Six was saying, there's a lot of fun extra material we could do little episodes about. Uh-huh. We, could do a, we could be a Death Note podcast. Yeah, I think <sighs> if if I woke up tomorrow and someone was like, hey, Chats is a Death Note podcast now. I would say, okay, cool, that I understand what that's going to be like, and I love it, and I can't wait. If I woke up tomorrow and someone was like, you're a Halt and Catch Fire podcast, I would feel some trepidation about that. Um, But that might just be a product of like not having seen the show before. Um, But that's also part, like I think the part of me that wants to see a second episode isn't motivated by I'm expecting to like it more. I think it's motivated by... I still don't understand how I feel about the show, so I need more information. So in the context of this being like a matchup, that's why I'm leading Death Note. I might be more interested in seeing Halt and Catch Fire, but that's coming from a place of like lack of information or like uncertainty rather than enthusiasm. Oh, this one's hard. I don't want to do it. (laughs) I, I have a larger structural thought but i want to say it after we make our decision um yeah okay but, hold on yeah. let me really think about this choice before i click it oh god folks this is this is hard this one is not easy mm-hmm. okay fine stop committed okay three two one go <laughs> Alan oh. sent me a gif of Ryuk eating an apple on a bed that's a good gif uh, I chose Death Note as well, so it's Death Note. Here's my structural thought. Okay, um, tell me. I'm curious if there's any interest among our audience for us to have like a loser's bracket or like a second chance opportunity or something like that within the context of this tournament. Um, yeah. Because there are, at this point, round one is done. Um, Congrats to everyone who won and round one. What'd you say? I said congrats to everyone who won round one. Sorry. That yeah, was a big, wrong big claps, big claps. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some shows that lost round one that I think are at least worth watching the next episode of and could potentially beat some of the things that won round one, um, but might not. But that's that's why I'm just curious. Like if anybody out there is interested in a format for like a interstitial episode in the season of there's like one wild card spot and you know one of the shows that lost there's going to be a matchup between our favorite losers or 
we just have a conversation about a loser's bracket and mm-hmm. the winner of that gets another chance or I don't know. I'm curious if people would like that, if that kind of just drags out the season. Because um, Halt and Catch Fire, Twilight Zone, 80s, Sequest DSV, Six Feet Under, Veronica Mars, Legend of Korra, Misfits, Alias, almost all of those I would be interested in watching another episode of. Yes. Um. So let us yeah, know I, what you think about that. Uh, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I have been thinking a lot about like what happens to these losers, and I think the most the 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 first option that came to my mind was like we do the first place winner, then we do the second place winner, then we do the third place. Like we can just go backwards down the list. And so what uh-huh. happens when you lose is we won't cover you for like three years and then we can watch <laughs> everything, but you just won't get watched until the heat death of the universe mm-hmm. or Lex or Lex comes before you, you know, and whatever happens first. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah. Chats too. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's funny. Chats, chats. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think these. I think round two is gonna be full of heaters, and I agree there should be some sort of losers bracket. I think that's a great idea if people are into cool. it. Um, so yeah, let us know in the Discord or via email what you think about that or what you'd like to listen to. Um, yeah, and then we'll sort of figure it out from there. In the meantime, round two starts next week. Isn't that exciting? So exciting. Uh, do you want to hear the matchups for round two? Yeah, they're all heaters. So let's freaking get it. So coming at you first is the ninth seed Heroes versus the number one seed Stargate SG-1. That's blood next bath. week. Bloodbath. <laughs> Absolute bloodbath. That's going to be tough. Um, the following week, the matchup is the 12 seed, the dark horse of the bracket, Xena Warrior Princess versus the fourth seed, Quantum Leap. Bloodbath. <laughs> cities will be sundered by that matchup i can't believe it <laughs> the following week uh i don't know how this one's gonna go the yeah. seven seed battlestar galactica versus the two seed the tick that's a question mark for me i'm i'm, I'm curious yeah. i think also we should watch the second episode of all three ticks for that matchup oh that's God. my opinion <laughs> sure why not um and then Following that, uh, in a few weeks from now, number six seed, Death Note, goes up against the third seed, Fringe. <laughs> None of these are easy. An absolute bloodbath. These are these are some tough, tough calls uh, over the course of the next month. So we hope you join us for all of those episodes. I'm, like, shaking about some of these, seriously. Quantum, <laughs> Quantum Leap versus Xena is going to, like, break the podcast in half. We're going to have to... Yeah, there's going to be... Some kind of a civil war, I think. Uh, <laughs> in the Discord, amongst know, us, Discord, in our lives, yeah. everywhere. There will be Discord in the Discord. Um, ah! good, Anyways, good. round two should be fun. Um, yeah. What do we do next? The plugs. I think it's my turn, right? Yes, it is. Great. Wait, where can people find you on the internet? Well, let me tell you. You can hear me on another podcast called Super Smash Echoes that I do with my friend Justin, where we play video games related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise, Super Smash Echoes. We got a couple episodes in the tank that I got to get out my booty and edit. So hopefully those will come to you soon. Uh, And then I have a newsletter at uh, notthatmagellan.substack.com. You can follow me there and get my writings sometimes. I'm working on a piece now. I don't want to speak too soon, but... You know, I might write something soon. It's what cooking. about you? Oh, golly. As Six mentioned earlier, I'm on a bunch of shows on ScanLineMedia.com, including The Creature Quorum, which is now doing its new sub-season, the Unova Tourism Committee. Sorry, I spoiled it. Actually, it should be out by now, hopefully. 
you know, the tourism committee. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, we still do the Garnet Wager over there. We still do a bunch of other stuff. I'm also the primary host of Talking Marketing, which is a bi-monthly marketing podcast I do for AMA Boston. We just put out a new episode today when this is recording, the 15th. Uh, where I interviewed two people, Teo and Blake from Idea Peddler. For the first time, I did a double interview. And it was really fun. A lot of people said it's their favorite so far. So starting the year off with a banger of a podcast. That's me. John, where can people find chats? In lots of different places. You can, of course, email us at chatspot at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions thoughts on the structure of the season um if you want to send in we'd love to hear your testimony about these different matchups that are coming up if you want to weigh in on for next week stargate sg1 versus heroes um, send it in via our email or any of these other communication channels i'm about to name you can also follow us at chats pod on x and that's you know a social media site that does what social media sites do you can talk to us there and that kind of thing. We're on YouTube. Um, great news. We're Chats, Tele- T- Chats, a television podcast on YouTube. The great news is YouTube has just made it a lot easier to have a podcast on YouTube, finally, um, because they've wanted to have podcasts on YouTube for so long, but like made it hard. Um, so it should be the case that now... It's just like automatically going up on YouTube, right? All new episodes. Yeah, um, whatever the RSS feed updates, it puts a video version on YouTube. Amazing. And then we're going to discuss um, whether or not to put backlog um, seasons, like previous seasons on YouTube as well, because it's now much easier for us to do that and not nearly mm-hmm. as time consuming or labor intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's for some reason a season, like if you prefer to watch or listen on YouTube for whatever reason, and there's content you would want to be there, or you have an opinion about if we should put old stuff there or not, let us know. Um, cause you, I think, uh, you know, a handful of people chiming in what you'd have a lot of sway in that decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, please rate us wherever you rate podcasts, Apple podcasts, wherever else, uh, you can find podcasts and pick a number of stars. We prefer five. That's our favorite number there. (laughs) Speaking of five, uh, you can also give us $5 or less. There's other options over at patreon.com slash chatspot. $1 a month gets you onto the Discord where you can hang out with some fun people talking about stuff all the time. And we love it. $3 a month gets you access to twice monthly bonus content, which might be us piloting TV shows or doing movie commentaries or having other conversations about other stuff that we feel like talking about. And then... $5 $5 a month and up gets you thanked right here at the end of every episode. Thank you to Arthur, Emrys, Felicia, Jen, Justin, Kyrie, Lee, Marcus, May Louise, my mom, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Noel, Six, and Stefan. Thank you, folks, for supporting the show. We have a website, chatspot.com. Thank you to at Camillustrator for our podcast art. As always, check her out on various socials. And Alan, it's now time to give our recommendations, our chatsums here oh, at the end of the episode. What are your chatsums for this week? So both of my chatsums are TV related, actually. I've been watching a ton of TV as it gets colder and colder out. And beyond going to the gym and work, I don't have many reasons to go outside. So uh, that being said, the so two shows that have provided me a lot of comfort in the past week are the new Netflix show Pokemon Concierge, which is a claymation animated series that takes place on a like tropical island. And it follows a young woman who's a concierge as part of this resort 
um, and she's helping Pokemon find their happiness. Uh, it is four episodes. They're all very, sh they're like 15 minutes long. I watched all of it twice because it's so breezy and easy to watch. Um, really sweet, really wonderful animation style. Um, and the last episode's very emotional. It's about a Pikachu who doesn't know how to express his emotions well. So you can imagine that one gets really sweet and adorable. Um, yeah, I recommend to Pokemon Concierge if any of that sounds up your alley. And then my other chatsim is just a uh, sort of project that I found myself coming back to after Majan and I established this this sort of precedent years and years ago amongst ourselves, um, which is my Simpsons Watchlist spreadsheet. So um, for those who don't know, I've always enjoyed The Simpsons, but like many kids, I wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid, as a child. So I would catch clips of it or I'd watch it like secretly here and there, very little of it. And they missed out on the zeitgeist. And then I think like, it feels man, like 2014, 2015 is when I finally was like, let's make the watch list. And what I learned quickly was that at the time, like making a spreadsheet of every Simpsons episode to watch basically amounts to, you should just watch the first like eight seasons without, there's no like episode not worth your time, uh, right? So now my new method has been to go back to that watch list and mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm only watching the episodes for now that either you put a a bar uh, a bold on, which means that I believe that meant that meant that you're a big fan of those, mm -hmm. or they are episodes that explicitly feature like well-known Simpsons memes. The yeah. problem is that the si not the problem. This is a good thing. The Simpsons <laughs> is so prolific as a television show and yes. so prevalent in pop, pop culture that every time I watch one, I go online and I find three more. They there are so many <laughs> Simpsons memes. And they're always yeah. from different episodes. And I just can't stop adding to this list. I've watched that, so much Simpsons. I will never be done. And that's okay. That like golden era of the Simpsons, I think is untouchable in terms of like consistent episode quality. I couldn't yes. tell you another show that's just banger after banger, no skips for that long. Um, so like three to eight, to dude, three oh, to eight are so just good. like, I'm looking at my at my list. And it's like okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. It's like just watch the season. Mm -hmm. Like what, that's not. Yeah. A, this is no longer a watch list. This all started yeah. because I read a piece from uh, Emily St. James about Marge versus the Monorail on her episodes newsletter mm -hmm. recently. And guys, I rewatched Marge versus the Monorail, and that episode, speaking of like unassailable quality, is bananas good. It's like <laughs> just it's so fast, like. There's so many hard, hard laughs in Marge vs. the Monorail that you're like, this is breakneck, honestly. They would never make mm -hmm. shows like this this funny. This Every single line is like, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And then, oh, here's three seconds later, here's another one. Um, yeah. It's been truly wonderful. I just watched um, Springfield, but the S is a dollar sign. That's the episode where yeah. uh, they open the casino. And what's funny is the meme that comes from that one is the one where Homer goes up to Bart in his bed. And he says, hi, I don't know if you knew this, but there's a boogeyman or, or boogeymen. And it's like, that has not, <laughs> the memes often have nothing to do with the episode, which is so funny to me. Because yeah, the reason right. for that is that Marge is like stuck at the casino gambling and Homer becomes the parent for the day and doesn't know how to parent. Mm -hmm. So he gets, he gets afraid of the boogeyman, which is amazing. Just, mm. it's, it's been a delight. I'm going to probably watch, um, a streetcar named Marge tonight. That's the next one on the list. Nice. That one's great. Yeah. You have uh, on my list here, you have the parenthetical next to it. Dig it. Dig it. Dig it. So, I, yeah, I have so much Simpsons ahead of me. It's nice to just have a show that's consistently good. Shout outs to, I don't like to say shout outs to Disney Plus, but shout outs to Disney Plus for letting me watch 
all of it easily. Yeah. <sighs> what about you? What's your chasms for this week? Uh, let's see. I what was my chasm? I totally knew what it was. Oh, I remember. I remember. Okay. <clears throat> so I got some amazing news recently. You're pregnant. Which is, uh, yeah, I'm pregnant with excitement. Okay. And I'm happy about that. And now the metaphor is going to end, so I can continue my previous sentence. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I was very, very enthusiastic and excited to learn that NCSoft, the oh. company that developed the greatest MMO of all time, City of Heroes, okay, uh-huh. recently officially licensed the fan-made City of Heroes revival servers thing called City of Heroes Homecoming. So now it's not like kind of a thing of, oh, we're going to keep doing this, but at any moment somebody might sue us and shut it down. And uh, now it's just City of Heroes is back and it's the same thing and it's free to play and it's it's legal like it's cool this is fine the sanctioned city of heroes uh server basically i'm so i'm so hype about it i've got it on my computer i am like millimeters away from getting it working on my steam deck also which is gonna be transformative for me but here's the freaking problem. Can I tell you what's happening to me? This yeah. is like the hilarious nonsense of being a PC gamer sometimes. So I, uh, you have to like run the executable with this other application because Steam Deck runs Linux, right? Uh-huh. Um, so when I run that application from the like Steam Deck mode and I try to do the command to bring up the virtual keyboard to type in my account information... The virtual keyboard doesn't overlay on top of the game. It's like a window underneath the game. So I can't see the keyboard to type in my account information. So then I do it in desktop mode and it's the same issue. So then it's like, okay, I'll run the game windowed. And when I do that, I can see the keyboard. But for some reason, the window is a vertical rectangle where... It's like a ton of black space above the game. And so only half of the game is actually on screen. So like I was able to get my username and password in and get in there. But then I had to scroll through these terms of use and I couldn't scroll far enough to hit the the accept button (laughs) because it was off the screen. So it runs fine. I just can't log in because the Steam Deck's dumb. So I'll hook up a keyboard to it or whatever and that'll be fine. Um, but anyway, it's that same City of Heroes you remember. You can go ahead and make a character. It's awesome. City of Heroes Homecoming is what it's called, and it's cool to play it now. I never once played City of Heroes. I did play Champions Online briefly, and it didn't yeah. click with me. It was it was all right. I didn't yeah. love Champions Online. It, I could never get past a certain point. I just got annoyed with it. But I know how much City of Heroes means to you and technically means to the history of this podcast, right? Because... Mm-hmm. City of Heroes to BNL to podcasting pipeline is real and it's it's true. <laughs> um, so I will definitely be checking this out at some point. Why not? Awesome. It'll make a, I don't know what power set I want. Probably just flight and like big punching. Nice and simple. You could do that. Yeah, you could do that. Groovy. City of Heroes Homecoming. Awesome. Well, Machan, that's what we got. 
I'm sad because it's over, but I'm happy because we get to do more, we still have so much more recording or talking to do today. So we have a chat yeah. meeting that'll uh, hopefully exciting. come with come with some announcements or reconfiguring of content for you guys out there. We hope you've been enjoying the show. Thank you to Magellan for being the Ryuk to my light Yagami because who doesn't need a little freak in their lives? And thank you all for listening to this episode of Couch Madness. <laughs> Bye.